Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, back from Chicago, and with me is the one and only Omar Zini, and back for his triumphant return, since he didn't join us in Chicago, is Trevor Stiles. What's up, dude? Uh, I didn't join you, not because I didn't want to be in the windy city with you guys for a weekend, but, you know, my wife is seven months pregnant, give or take, and I basically got told I'm not going. So that's what happened. I'm excited to be back, man. Uh, what's going on, you two? I miss your beautiful faces. You guys look really good sitting side by side. I like now that we're, we're doing this. This, this is nice. I see a, a Swiss ball in the back, or what, what do they call those big bouncy ones? Uh, I think we're setting a nice stage here. This is good. Yeah, uh, I thought we were going to film today. Actually, I told a lot of people we were going to be filming today. And uh, then Omar, I show up at Omar's house, and he's like, yeah. He's like, no, we're not. We're still under construction, so we're not. <laughs> I brought all this gear here. Shout-outs to On the Volley Apparel. I'm wearing their, their gear right now that they gave for Chicago. I got Edgewater Castle FC, which is a, a really cool program. Shout-out to Andrew, who runs that out in Chicago. It's a uh, semi-pro team of uh, predominantly refugees uh, looking to play at the professional level. Um, pretty cool, awesome organization they got over there. But uh, I'm excited that we're. I'm just here with Omar again because it's like it's like Chicago, except for I'm actually not holding my microphone. I actually get to just relax. I know that was that was an issue. We we showed up and uh, I thought we we're gonna have our own microphone each and some technical difficulties again. We managed. We took care of it. It looks good. The setup looks good. Just so you know, Mike, I can hear a little echo. I just want to make sure it's not going to be on the recording. No, you're good. You're good. We're just, uh, yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay, perfect. I mean, you know what? You know what is going to be on the recording now is you saying that, though. That's, that's going to be solid. Well, I just want to make sure. I want our listeners to know that the trials and tribulations we go through to bring them such a wonderful podcast filled <laughs> with such, uh, what, Mike, what's, what's your new term you're, you're coining now? Edutainment. Educational entertainment. Yeah. Edutainment. Edutainment. Yeah. <laughs> Edutainment. I'm not... Yeah, no, no, that doesn't sound like a plague. Okay, cool, moving on. <laughs> so uh, as some of you guys know, uh, for the seven people that saw my social media post uh, because nobody else promoted it, it, we have a hotline now. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, Because a lot of people you guys have been DMing on Instagram and sending out tweets or just straight up texting me, and I'm like, you know what, let's just do this instead. So uh, we have a hotline now. It's a 323 um, and I just lost the phone number again. And three, two, three, three hundred, four, one, one, seven. And, uh, I think it's going to be awesome because, uh, you just can basically leave a voicemail. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And if we play your message on the air, um, we're going to send you some free swag, which is pretty cool. So, uh, I'm excited about that. Also guys, we have an Instagram channel. Um, that right now is currently at LA Goalkeeping Academy because I don't know how to change it. And a Twitter that's also at LA Goalkeeping Academy, but it does say inside the 18 podcast. So we'll figure that out. But um, please subscribe, follow on those. Make sure you're writing your reviews on iTunes. Listen to us on Spotify, all that stuff. And then hopefully Omar will post something because he's got, I don't know, 1 million more followers than me. No, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. We're probably going to get a YouTube channel. <laughs> we'll probably get a YouTube channel going as well once we kind of figure out our set and we have everything um, ready to go for that. So, and we're going to post that also on the on the postings for the podcast episode. So, if you didn't hear this, you're still going to be able to visibly see it. And uh, and someone call. Nobody's called yet. I'm really kind of depressed because I haven't been able to see any calls yet. Do I, I'm so going to call and leave a voicemail. <laughs> 
All right, we got to go. I got I got to get going soon. That's okay. So uh, anyway, we had a great time in Chicago, like I was saying before. We had a lot of cool interviews. Last week we had the one with Phil Wedden, the one before that. Uh, we had the one with Jillian Lloyd in um, from TKI. And uh, I'm really excited about this week because this week we're going to have a, an interview with uh, Lloyd Yaxley, uh, who's the uh, uh, goalkeeper coach over at the Orlando Pride and the NWSL. And um, he was talking a lot about in regards to coaching in the NWSL, some of the trials and tribulations of that, and also um, talking about the blocking technique because he was doing a lot of work on that over at convention. So uh, all of you right now, just hit sit tight because we're going to play a solid interview with Lloyd. Lloyd, um, I almost called you Lloyd. (laughs) Omar, this is really early in the morning for me. Omar, is there anything you want to add before we go into the interview with Lloyd? No, I think uh, you guys are really going to enjoy it. Uh, Lloyd definitely shares a lot of his uh, thoughts about the goalkeeping community as well. He's very uh, inviting. He's been telling everybody, especially me, that if I'm ever in Orlando to come watch one of his sessions and he doesn't like to hide things from people. He likes to be very open with his sessions and wants a lot of feedback. So I think that's one thing that I learned a lot from here in this podcast is, or even just sitting with him is just um, understanding that the goalkeeping community is a tight community and that everybody wants to help one another. And uh, that was really cool for me to see. Yeah, so here we here we go with the interview with Lloyd, guys. Welcome to Inside the 18, day two at United Soccer Coaches Convention. I'm Michael Majid. With me is Omar Zini from Pro GK Academy. It's been a fascinating time here. Our first day was absolutely incredible. We got the opportunity to not only see some great sessions, uh, have some great interviews. But we also had our guest who's here with us today stop by just to say hello, which is uh, pretty incredible because he wasn't even on the show and he wanted to come by and just hang out. I think he just wanted to get away from everybody else who was wearing a suit. Uh, I'm talking about Lloyd Yaxley, uh, goalkeeper coach for the Orlando Pride. Lloyd, thanks for being on Inside the 18. Yeah, no, great to, great to be here, great to share some ideas. And yeah, I just needed to get away from the the chaos of trades and draft and wearing a suit and just be around normal people for a little bit. It was hilarious because you literally walked in and you were wearing a suit and everyone's just like, who's that dude? It's got to be somebody important. Because like anytime anyone walks by at a coach's convention with a suit on, everyone starts going like, get your cards out, get your cards out. Like this is going to be somebody important that I need to talk to. Yeah, I'm that person that's pretending to be important that's really pretty irrelevant. But no, it's um, the draft's fun and it's... You know, any time to bounce around and meet people is is it's a great set in here. So my my favorite part of the draft, and I don't know how Omar feels about this, was lunch. I enjoyed lunch <laughs> extremely. When they're like, "Hey, lunch is out," we're like, "No goalkeepers have been taken. Cool, we're gonna go get lunch." Yeah, let's go have a nibble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you have for lunch, Omar? Uh, I had a uh, turkey sandwich, and uh, we were just waiting and waiting until one of the goalkeepers got drafted. One of the goalkeepers did get drafted, but she was not at the draft. So it was a long day, but we have some uh, uh, Q&A set up with some of the goalkeepers that weren't drafted, and I'm sure they'll get an opportunity at some point. Yeah, and, it w- and, and you know, and it's fun just watching the experience and watching the process. First off, I'm not going to lie. I'm a very emotional person, okay? I'm just really straight up honest about that. Uh, when I was on the World Cup comedy tour with, with Total Soccer Show and the Cooligans on the Atlanta date at MLS All-Star when they brought me up on stage to, to thank me, you know, for, for all the work and all that stuff, and I, I started cr- t- tearing up and crying to see this all come to fruition. Last night when I got the, the Tony DeChico Award for LA Goalkeeping Academy, the grant for, uh, you know, the continuing education for underrepresented communities, I started crying. I'm probably going to cry at some point today on the podcast 
talking about the block save. Uh, just because <laughs> it's going to be such a beautiful presentation from you later today. Uh, we hope so, so. So let's get into that a little bit. Uh, what uh, What are you going to be talking about later on at, at convention here? Um, mm -hmm. And why should people come out to this session? Um, I think it's a, a technique that's kind of becoming fashionable in the goalkeeping world. Um, and I think it's a a technique that you see a lot of videos and a lot of people doing with not a lot of real um, like significant coaching points so I think like I'm trying to like break down the technique of it and different uh, components of it that that I uh, put importance on um, and then from that like hopefully like if if someone comes by and watches and can take like a snippet of what I do and 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 put it into what they do like that's rewarding for me in itself um, and I mean what I'm gonna do it's it's nothing groundbreaking like I, I think what I'm gonna do like it's stuff that I do with with my pro goalkeepers but it's also stuff that you could you could easily do with a nine-year-old that is starting to learn the technique I'm, go I'm gonna tr you know start with a stationary ball get to a moving ball get to a more decision-making process um, because the, the other difficult thing I think about when you work on a technique, especially when it's a technique that's used in certain um, situations where decisions needed to be made on what technique you have to use, we, we work on that technique in training and then that becomes the default for a breakaway. Um, but I think there's, there's, for me, there's like three or four different options that you could pick in that given scenario. So. We're going to work on the technique. We're going to get into some decisions where um, it might not necessarily be a block save. But um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'd love people to come by and ask questions after and grab me when I'm in the hall and and uh, and fire away. We're here to share. We're here to make every make each other better. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited to now, get. Now, now for the layperson out there who's listening to this podcast, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't know anything about goalkeeping who would listen to a goalkeeping podcast. That's clearly our <laughs> audience. Uh, what is the block save for maybe some parents who might be listening to this with their kids sure. so they, they are familiar with the technique? I think that the easiest way to explain it would be um, if, if those people have seen any futsal goalkeeping um, where you're almost dropping to a knee and creating a barrier with your leg and expanding your hands. I think that would probably be the simplest way to put it. Um, I really try and reach uh, upon different sports with my sessions. So, like another pretty good comparison would be an ice hockey goalkeeper when they're sliding across their goal um, to 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 block that save. And, and I think it it's a save that is used when defending a uh, a small space that you want to give up as little as possible, but defend the maximum amount that you can within that small space. Um, so yeah, that that would be my my answer there. I think that's a I think that's a great answer because I wish would have been like, uh, make yourself look like a tarantula. That thing, that's, <laughs> that's that's a block save right there. Um, yeah. But let's uh, let, let's talk about the stigma about the block save because okay. yeah, yeah. there's a lot of it out there. I'm straight up. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I've had parents tell me, uh, excuse me, but I just. I, by the way, and this is my favorite part about youth youth soccer in general sure. is because with youth soccer as opposed to the pro game mm -hmm. where you're dealing with adults. You know, the parents look at us as employees sometimes sure. and because they're hiring us mm -hmm. to work with their kids. Uh, so 
they give us a lot of times direction on where they want to take their kids. Yeah. Uh, which is weird because you don't go into an investment bank and give them a direction on where you want to take your money, <laughs> right. right? Right. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I've had parents straight up say, he's like, uh, are you going to teach the block save? Because I don't agree with that. You know, because they obviously know a lot about goalkeeping from their time watching AYSO rec games at yeah. eight years old. <laughs> uh, so why is there a stigma attached to it? Um, I think it's, it's kind of like I said off the bat, like it's kind of the cool thing to do right now. And like people like hammer it in. But the, the, the situation of when to use it isn't exactly hammered in. Um, so like kids go into a default of like going into a split save or a block save and they're getting wrecked you know like it's the wrong scenario to use it so I think that's why it's key when teaching the technique it's like this is not like the only technique it's like you know like um, if someone volleys a ball towards your face like there's pretty much one way to catch it right like there's not really much like wiggle room there but like with this technique I think there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area in the scenario that you're using the technique. Um, so I think that's where there's downfall in, in goalkeepers executing that technique because they're not sure, or they're young, right? They're young goalkeepers, so their decision-making process isn't as astute as a pro goalkeeper. Um, so I think just hammering in the, the, uh, the, the little details of the technique but with that, with that repetition, um, adding the decision and breaking down, well, was, your di was that the right distance due to that technique? Was your speed right? Was your balance right? So um, I think that's the, that's the parts of it that often get missed. Um, so now we're talking about fashionable, uh, kind of the trends that we mm -hmm. see. So the block save obviously is one of them. Talk about the side volley a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids, you know, I teach them all the time, like, look, know when to use it yeah it's very similar in this sense but like yeah. to a certain extent like you know know when to use it and know sure. when it's the right way right the right uh, right time right not uh, sorry when the right time is when not to do it yeah um but um in terms of for the younger goalkeepers that are listening male or female uh when it comes to like three or four techniques that aren't the fashionable ones that you mm -hmm. feel are often overlooked what are three or four techniques that you think they should learn from a young age and those are the ones that are going to be mainstays and the, you as a coach you notice if they don't have it down sure um like a big one for me is prep touch so okay like you, you receive a pass back um, like is your first touch going to enable you to have options for your next pass so uh, you know you see a lot, a lot of goalkeepers you know they'll send you highlight videos and you know they're getting a ball and there's no pressure and it's like you know it's fine they just swing it from centre back but then when pressure comes like it's a different ball game right so I think um like the prep touch, the 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 supporting angles before is a big thing, um, because I think if you give yourself more space, then you give yourself more options, then you give yourself more room to make a decision. Um, so as far as the technique, like that prep touch pre-pass is like is is key for me. Um, another technique that I really feel is overlooked is punching and. I don't mean boxing two hands. I think boxing two hands is taught, and I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, I would rather my goalkeepers come with one and lead with the forearm of the hand that they're not punching with. Um, and I want my goalkeepers to be, be able to do it left hand, right hand, depending on 
you know, where the service is coming from. So I think that is something that is often overlooked and there's a huge emphasis on the box. And I just, for me personally, I feel like that technique, there is a right place for a box, but I think there's times when goalkeepers are, especially when goalkeepers are moving um, deep and towards their far post, they come with two hands and their whole body rotates um, and they're unprotected. Um, so I think that's another technique that is overlooked. Um, and then I think there's things that people put a lot of emphasis on that is cool because it's sessions that the goalkeepers like doing. You know, like extension saves and and triple saves and, um, you know, like, I mean, even like breakaways is kind of fun for the goalkeepers. But like, I think sometimes your sessions have to be boring, like a little bit boring and a little bit um, like... Um, game related to get maximum amount out of the session. Yeah, so everything being very practical. That's one. Right, of, yeah. right. Like yeah. we, we, like there's definitely times. I, I kind of have a reputation of like you know tennis balls and tennis racket and gadgets and and yeah, I do do that stuff, but it's not every day that I do that stuff. Um, and I, I think I think um, there's a big misconception like from what people post on social media, that that is the way that goalkeepers train. They're always like on trampolines and they're <laughs> diving through hoops and there's fire and there's fireworks and like, but sometimes it's like really boring. Which Instagram channel have you been watching lately? <laughs> fire, I want to see Have you not seen the fire one? one? No, I haven't it's seen the fire one. And there's the, a fire the, one? And the guy on the bike, there's like oh all- Oh my gosh, dude, I mean, that is incredible. I know if I even pitched that idea to Ashlyn, she would look at me uh, and and it would be like a death stare and like you know you see videos of like goalkeepers running up hills and diving and running back down the hill like I know if if I ever pitched an idea to Ashlyn and Haley that is something that they would well, never do well, in a you game. Well, you know when the topography changes when you're in the goal, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah. Just all yeah. of a sudden, just mountains a just hill, appear. A hill yeah. appears, yeah. and uh, there's fire, and there's fireworks, and That'd yeah, make a, cool a, bi video a game, bicycle though. is yeah. on the far post. Like, uh, cool question. So. As a goalkeeper coach myself, sometimes like I feel like I I want to have these, these sessions where obviously you have focus days and mm -hmm. you have like for example we have like plyo day yep. where you kind of isolate the leg you're on yep. Bosu balls or whatever yeah whatever the case may be and as long as the goalkeeper has the idea of it's going to be a focus day then at sure. least they can come into it prepared knowing that whatever gadgets you use whatever it's going to be specifically sure. for that uh, exercise but um, I think sometimes too is like uh, I've learned as simple is 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 just key and then from right, there you kind of right. it's the messaging from there so sometimes I mean for goalkeeper coaches uh, like you said right now I think that's a good point is that. You know, there's going to be days where you need that stuff, mm -hmm. and there's going to be also days where it's just kind of like, look, the goalkeepers two or three day, two or three days out out from game day. Yeah. All they need is to kind of get retouched. And all they need to do is get like you know good handling, right, get, their, get right. their confidence up, and I think that's a a big key. So, uh, training goal, professional goalkeepers is that something you guys really focus on? Is that kind of what they? What yeah, you it's um, it. I mean, obviously, the environment that uh, that I'm in is very different from youth goalkeepers, just in the sense that um, I get to work with my goalkeepers every day for four or five hours you know like whether that's off the field on the field but i get i get like a, a lot of a lot of time um that i can really home in on things that are that are important to me and that are important to that goalkeeper's development um in the youth game you might get two sessions a week so you got to make you got to be functional with those sessions and they've, they've also got to be fun because you want those goalkeepers to come back or you know, like if you're running private sessions with kids, like you want them to 
really enjoy the session. And sometimes, like, ses- like I said earlier, like sessions are like, they're not, you know, like if you're doing a distribution session, like a distribution session is kind of bland compared to like other cool things that we can do. Oh, that's why I save those <laughs> when it's 103 degrees. And I go, yeah. I'm, I'm like, hey guys, distribution today. They're like, yes. Yeah, winner, <laughs> winner. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it's definitely a different obstacle that the youth coaches have. And, I, and I've been there, like I've, I've, I've worked with youth goalkeepers and I've worked with all levels of goalkeepers from the kid in jean shorts and a wife beater to, you know, Ashlyn, who you know, who's one of the one of the best female goalkeepers in the game. So, um, so yeah, it's there's different obstacles for different coaches, and um, there's you've got to have that balance between the fun stuff and the the tennis balls, and and then just the all right, let's get in the goal, move to the angle, make a save. So, so yeah. And a lot of people ask me a lot of times, they're like, Mike, why why are you such a minimalist when it comes to goalkeeper training? And I go, it's because I own a Honda Civic. <laughs> and there's very little that I could fit in into that Honda Civic. So yep. it's going to be cones yep. and uh, some occa- occasional <laughs> bag of balls. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, some, maybe some posts, maybe some uh, hurdles, but yeah. Uh, yeah. that's about it. But look, here's the thing, and, and I, wanna, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but people out there who are listening to this have to understand Utilize all equipment for game-related activity. Sure. So everything you're doing out there, as long as it's related to the game, mm-hmm. you can use that equipment. Just know that the make sure that the goalkeepers know why they're using yeah. this. Don't just put hurdles out there because you want the parents to see you with hurdles and they go, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. Because yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen goalkeeper ch- training sessions and I'm like, this might as well just be a double dare obstacle course. Yeah, like I, and, and this is what one of my big recommendations that I'd have to parents is like, don't judge a coach on what they're posting on social media and how many retweets and how many shares and uh, like because uh, like I mean I'm not big on social media I don't post a lot of my sessions like if people want to see my sessions like I'll gladly email them a session that I have like put together like I think if you're a parent of a goalkeeper and um, you know you're looking to get private sessions from from a goalkeeper coach like I think the best thing to do is call goalkeepers that have worked with that coach. Like if if you're, you know, shopping around for a goalkeeper coach and there's two or three candidates, like like word of mouth is the is the best the best um, salesman for me. Like like every opportunity that I've been given or or been rewarded by has always been from a word of mouth from someone or, or my, my reputation going through somebody else. Um, and that works both ways, right? If if y- your reputation can can nosedive in a second, um, so yeah, like I, I would say, don't judge someone on uh, their social media account because I'm going to be honest. Like if I spent the amount of time on social media that I I know some people do, like I would have no, I would not. <laughs> I, love, I love how I just turned to Omar. I'm just like I'm like he's like he's like oh yeah I definitely I do both I do both yeah I mean if you have the time like that's great like it's um. But you know, like, like there's stuff that that I put a lot of emphasis on that I wouldn't be able to share on on social media. That you know, conversations and um, video analysis and, and things like that. And um, so yeah, like, don't judge a goalkeeper coach on their Instagram account. I think that is a great way to get yourself out there. Um, and don't get me wrong, like, I think it is very valuable. Um, but yeah, use word of mouth. Like, I think that's the best way to do it, and um, and go from there. 
Yeah, you know, I want to get a little bit back into the block save mm -hmm. just because we got, went a little bit on a tangent, which That's we right. do all the time That's on good. this podcast. That's I mean, good. literally, I think we did 10 minutes once on somebody's child. Uh, <laughs> so it happens. But um, it's taught impro Im improperly, incorrectly a lot of times. And yeah. why... Why do you think that needs? Why why do you think that's an issue? Why do you think it's always taught incorrectly? Is it because people, they just look at it as a point blank save and they don't really look at the the reason in, in a game situation when you do this? A lot of times, one of the issues that I see when it comes to the block save, is that kids are doing it in a straightforward manner. It's a one v one coming straight on, but that's not really the case for a block save. A block save is more of an angle mm -hmm. of, of an angled ball coming in, and yep. it's similar to the smother, the, you know, the old school cobra where you go down yep. uh, for the ball. Um, so why why is this happening? Why why aren't people actually learning how to teach it properly? I think it's in some ways it's like a quick fix. Do you know what I mean? Like you 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 see a video and. Um, Oh, I like that. I'm going to do that session. But but you got to. It's difficult to understand the uh, uh, the meat of that session. Do you know what I mean? Like like I can see a session and it's great, but I don't know what the coach is trying to get out of that session. So um, I, I I think sometimes it's the short the shortcut. It's like I want I want to teach my goalkeepers to do that technique. Well, like do your homework. Like watch two or three different videos because everyone's going to teach it differently. There's going to be different emphasis. Um, like. I think, like, my big thing is, like, I have a way of doing it. Like, I think it's a successful way of doing it. And I will... Uh, there was a goalkeeper coach that I worked with um, once, and he, he made a really good point. He said, as a goalkeeper coach, you're a salesman. And you've got to be able to sell your ideas to the goalkeepers that you're working with and get buy-in um, for them to be successful in, in things that you want them to be successful at. So, you know, like, I, I do a lot of homework on it. I, I put my own twist on things. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it is a difficult technique because you're exposed, right? You're making yourself big in a, a breakaway scenario. Um, and, 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 you know, there's that fine line between which technique do you use um, and the speed that you execute it. But I think the point that you made about the block save, a lot, a lot of times it's done straight. I think the block save is, is great when the striker takes that touch right before they hit it. And... You're tight enough that you can close space and and deny uh, deny space behind you, um, but you're almost too close to go hands because if you go hands, then you get chipped at the highest level. Like you go hands, you give up, you drop a shoulder, you're getting done over your shoulder. Your legs are too far apart, you're getting nutmegged. Um, so so yeah, it's it's those finer details like ironing those out um, that that help the youth goalkeepers. Yeah. Now, what? What do you, in regards to physical attributes, because mm -hmm. we're talking about, you were talking about getting down too, too quick, trying to go down with your hands, yep. and then you're going to get chipped and stuff like that. Now we're talking about physical attributes mm -hmm. in regards to height, uh, width, you mm -hmm. know, that sort of thing. So do those things come into play when you're training a goalkeeper in regards to something like the block technique? Um, not really. Like, okay. I mean, Ash is five, I think they say she's five nine, but she's a small five nine. Um, Haley I'm is... I'm a small 5'9", too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say I'm 6'1", but that's when I'm wearing heels, you know. <laughs> um, Haley is, like, 5'10", 5'11". And, and, like, every goalkeeper is different. Everyone's different. That's what's so great about the position, right? So, and everyone, a technique is going to be really good for... Some, like, Ash is exceptional at the split save. But, uh, the sp I call it a spread, but the split save. She's, she's, I think she's the best female goalkeeper in the world at it. Now... For me to go to Haley, who's much taller, not as flexible, 
and that's no disrespect to Haley. It's just a technique that's going to be difficult for her to 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 learn. So let's throw let's. But the block save is something that we've really worked a lot on with Haley. Um, Ash has obviously had a head start because I've worked with her for a significant amount of time. But Haley coming in, um, we've worked on it a lot. And Aubrey um, before Haley, she's now in Washington. It's a technique that we've worked on a lot, and um, they get success from it. And I think I think that's the key thing. Like if you're making saves using a new technique, you're going to keep doing it and you're going to keep refining it. Uh, on the flip side, if, if I'm preaching about something and you keep having disasters, you're going to be like, that ain't working for me. And that's great. Like That's a conversation that you have with your coach. I think that's what's so great about what we do. Like You're a coach, you're a friend, you're, you're a colleague. Like I see it as a collaboration rather than a dictatorship. Um, with what I do with my goalkeepers. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. I want to transition over into, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, you're a goalkeeper coach for mm-hmm. the Orlando Pride. You're coaching at the highest level. You're coaching at the professional level, which is much more so, and I've, we've spoken to other coaches about this in regards to much more than a traditional quote-unquote goalkeeper coach. And yeah. I think a lot of times at the youth level, people think the goalkeeper coach is some, some man or woman who is on the side who the kids go to for 30 minutes and then they come back to their yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. And that's not the modern goalkeeper coach anymore. Right. So you're very involved in regards to working with the back line. You're mm-hmm. involved to working with uh, the team set in regards to the system of play of what they're doing yeah. and also doing a lot of analysis of the players in the league, the strikers sure. in the league sure. uh, to better prepare your, your goalkeepers. So what are some of the, what are some of, some of the obstacles that you faced coaching at that level mm-hmm. uh, working with goalkeepers in the NWSL, which is a very different animal uh, than a lot of the other leagues out there in the world. Yeah, uh, the, big, the biggest, biggest obstacle for me is we have two contracts for goalkeepers. That's different this year. It's just changed this year. But previously, we've got two contracts. Um, and we have to try and find a goalkeeper that uh, will stay around and train but isn't getting paid. We, we, you know, there's ways to, for them to get paid, like appearances, and uh, they can do stuff on the youth side, and they can get another job, but you're not, you're not a pro then. You, 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 you're training like a pro. You're, you're doing the same weight rooms, the same training sessions, the video sessions. You're doing everything else that the team's getting, but you don't have a contract. That sounds like my contract in the USL. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's really difficult. So, you know, there's good goalkeepers that... that that end up going to Europe that could easily go in an NWSL team and train and work their way and, and there's goalkeepers that I would love to invest in or there's goalkeepers that I have invested in that have then gone to Europe and, and they're playing and they're doing great um, that is difficult that is difficult and every team in the NWSL situation is a little bit different like we house our girls in, in Orlando when I was in, in DC uh, it's either a host family or it's a local kid that, you, that you're relying on um, so that I mean, that is the biggest obstacle for me because if you have a tr- if you have a nu- if you have a number three goalkeeper and um, you know it's not working out, you go home. Or like we had a situation last year, Ash Tora quad. Uh, the game before at halftime, one of our defenders had smashed a ball into our backup goalkeeper's head. So we had called in a girl, uh, Caroline Stanley, last like. Wednesday and said hey can you meet us in Seattle and sit on our bench like you know it's just for one game like this is a short term thing she met us trained once that game Ash tore a quad 
So Caroline ended up going into the game. Like, she's trained with the team once. She did really well. Um, Ash tore her quad for, like, four months. Well, then, um, then Caroline becomes on the roster short term. But, like, if there was a contract there, that would be different, right? Because you'd have someone that's been around the team all year long that... Um, knows the team knows the ins and outs of the team now we were very fortunate that Caroline like came in and did really well but that's not a great scenario for somebody to, to show their best self you know like you've come in you've got one game of training you, you're learning names like um, so yeah that that is the biggest the biggest thing for me like having an environment that that um, that I can develop goalkeepers and have have the right numbers for training because you know sometimes like and, and then the other thing like Ash is away like with the US national team um, and training and so there's times where it would just be me and me and Haley like the, uh, our other goalkeeper and you know if we have a local college kid that's around um, from time to time like they'll jump in and train but their commitment isn't um, you know they can only commit to a few months it just sounds training. like an outside training session it right yeah, right yeah. so that that is the biggest that is the biggest thing for me like it's really it's really hard to find a, a, a goalkeeper now the league's done great this year they've, they've expanded rosters so there should be opportunities for goalkeepers better opportunities for goalkeepers to get contracts um but before it was tough yeah really tough and like you feel for the girls because they're they're working hard they're walking dogs they're bartending they're they're doing coaching sessions and then they're getting up and training in the morning. Like, it's tough. So other than downloading the WAGS app, what, what is your best advice for, for women, young women out there who are listening who want or aspire to play in the NWSL as a goalkeeper? Like, What are the three things that they should, they should really focus on uh, in their collegiate career mm -hmm. uh, or afterwards when, when they're you know, seeking out uh, a team or an agent sure. uh, to, to try to get showcased? Um, I mean, for the, for the younger girls, like, the biggest thing for me is like watching watching the game understanding the level um i think it's great to have dreams and and to aspire to you know if, if to play at stanford and to play at unc and to play at florida state um but but the the reality is like there's only a select few that that go there and get scholarships you know like so i think i think the hardest thing is like there's kids that say they want to go to unc and they've never watched a UNC game. They have no idea what the goalkeeper is like, what their ability level is like. So there's no way to compare where they are to where that level is. And and then that even happens, I feel like that happens in the NWSL as well. I guarantee there are goalkeepers in this draft that have never watched an NWSL game. I guarantee it. So you have, you have like no disrespect to, to people that throw their name in the draft, but you have people that throw their name in the draft that don't understand they're competing against a goalkeeper that's won national championships. She's played for the national team. She's uh, like, you know, if you get if, if you're competing with Alyssa Nay, you're, you're competing against a, a, a U.S. Women's National Team starting goalkeeper. Like if you if you go to Seattle, you're complete. You're competing against Lydia Williams, Australian international, seventy odd caps. Like every team in the league now has an exceptional goalkeeper as, as their goalkeeper, and I think it's it's. I mean, you got exceptional goalkeepers like, you know. Adriana French at, at, at Portland, mm -hmm. who just yeah, was I mean, having trouble getting into the pool for the women's national right, team, and right. she's phenomenal. Yep, and uh, it's it's um, so so that that would be would be one of my answers to that question is understanding the level, understanding the speed of that game, 
because there are good college goalkeepers that come into our environment and they really, really struggle. Like, I mean, you just got to you just got to think of it. You got Marta, you got Alex Morgan, you know, you've got a, a Camilla who's a young Brazilian that we have. You got Tony Presley who smacks a ball like 90 miles an hour. Like, you've got like elite, elite athletes that you're going to be competing against. So it's understanding the level that you're going to fall at. And yeah, aim high. Like by by every means, you've got to aim for the highest thing that you've got to get to. But along that road, you've got to go, yeah, maybe I'm here. And there's no there's no shame in that. Like there's no shame in going playing D2 and killing it. There's no shame in, in playing for a smaller D1 college and playing every game. Like it kind of frustrates me when I was a, a youth director of goalkeeping like I'd have a good goalkeeper and they would want to go to this college because there's a football program and there's this and there's that and then they sit on the bench for five years I'm like you've got ability you could be a real asset if you just like drop down a level but I, I think it's difficult because some kids they just want to say they played it wherever I, they played like rather than really like rather than being like hey I played at this D3 school we won national championships I set records I you know like I don't know. That would motivate me. <laughs> like, yeah. That would motivate me. Um, but like, I, I think the, the the difficult thing in the NWSL, like the speed of play, like compared to compared to, to and I, I I I brought it up a little bit. Like the level of players, you look at every team's roster, like that. It's just r- really really strong rosters, internationals, American players, like top level. Um, D1 athletes like I'm already scared to play in the NWSL. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I would be and it's, and absolutely. It's, and by the way, I will actually will tell a, a great story about that in which it and it humbled me. Uh, was I got a chance to train with the Pally Blues mm-hmm. uh, when they had that national championship run uh, yep. going a few years back before the NWSL yep, yep, started yep. back up, and uh, I went out there to train with them, and within within two seconds, I realized that I was in a professional environment, and that uh, this is not semi-pro. And that these women, if there was if there was an NWSL going on at that time, they would be playing in the NWSL right now. And I was terrified to distribute the ball to them because I was afraid I was going to make a mistake because they were so competitive at the time. And I was like, you know, what, maybe I should just find my men's seven aside team again. I think, I think I'll just do that. Um, I want Omar to interject here right now because you brought up a good point in regards to uh, identifying the right school for you as as a youth player or the right pro team, you know, if you're a college player. And I think a lot of times it's not just the player because I think a lot of times there's a lot of outside influence going into that. And I know Omar's dealt with this in regards to his goalkeepers and choosing the, the right environment for them. And, and the parents have a lot to say to that, don't they? Uh, yeah, they do. I think uh, when I, I think a lot of parents don't really they listen to the outside noise. They listen to uh, what their friends are, what they're, what, yeah, they're, what the neighbor's doing, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And I think that's a, it's a, it's not good for their kids. Yeah. And like you said, I, I have a goalkeeper right now. He could easily be playing division one at Raquel State LA, easily play division one, mm-hmm. but he's playing division two from Denmark. And mm-hmm. he has, he just said he's first team all American, yeah. set the shutout record in uh, division one. Yeah. So it's just our division two, excuse me. So it's like a lot of these kids, it's an ego thing. So with, yeah. with, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you've seen this as well with, you know, young goalkeepers coming into your program and your director of goalkeeping at a club as well. Um, do you have any a, a tips for those, for those goalkeepers in terms of like, let's say leaving your ego at the door and kind of being a realist practicality, things like that, or? Yeah, I think I think the the clearest message to me is is like, what do you want out of college? Like, what do you want out of your college career? Like, if you are happy, saying I played for whoever, like a, a, a really good, I played for UCLA. Yeah, but you didn't play. You didn't play in four years. But you wear all the you wear all the clobber, you know. 
it's really what you want out of your experience. Like, I, I, like I know me. Like, I want to play. Like, you're a player. Like, that's what you do. Like, you've inv- you, you've been playing this game for ten years. Why would you now want to stop when you go to college? So I, I think, what do you want out of it? Like, if you're happy to ride the bench and get all the Nike gear, like that's cool. Like, like do you? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, but like. I think the other thing that happens is you have like goalkeepers that go to colleges that don't have a goalkeeper coach as well, like, or they have, um, like a young goalkeeper coach, um, and that's fine because there are there are ex- exceptional young goalkeeper coaches out there, um, but I think if you're getting recruited by a school and you're a goalkeeper, like that would be my first question: Who's your goalkeeper coach? And then I'd reach out to that goalkeeper coach or I'd, 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 hey, can I come and watch your sessions? Because we all train our goalkeepers differently. Um, and like you might go watch a session and be like, holy smoke, I do not want to be in <laughs> any of that. You know, or the flip side, like you go watch a session and you're like, that is me. That is me. I see myself in that environment. I see myself with that coach. He's going to push me. She's going to push me. They're going to make me better. Because um, I think that's the ultimate goal. You've got four years. You've got four years that you can really invest in a sport that you love and invest in, you're going to invest in your teammates regardless, but you've got to invest in yourself as a goalkeeper. It's such an individual position. Like, so they're the questions I'd ask, like, what's my role in the team going to be? Who's my goalkeeper coach going to be? Because you're going to spend more time with a goalkeeper coach than, I, I, I swear in the last six years, I've probably spent more time with Ashlyn than I have my wife. <laughs> so it, like, you need to have a good relationship with that yeah. person, you know, like, like, you know, if you're having a, a crap day, like, you need to be able to say, look, I'm struggling. And and, and then work it out. Like, it, like I said, it, it's a collaboration. It's not a dictatorship yeah. for me. Um, and and I think I, I get, you know, I have a really good, I really work hard on the relationship with the, with the goalkeepers that I have, whether that's starting goalkeeper, training goalkeeper, youth goalkeeper that's watching a session. I really work hard on those relationships. So, you know, when you're looking at colleges, like you got to, you got to figure out like, is that a relationship that 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 they're going to invest in me? I'm going to invest in them, um, to to make me better. Because because, like, let's be real. Like, the majority of kids that go to college, like, that's that's the that's the finish line for them, right? Yeah, a few will go play pro, but like a lot of people, like, that's that's the last stop. So go go play. Go go have a blast playing for four years get better get as, as good as you can then from there you can decide do I go on to the next level um, but I think you know I, I speak I speak to parents and they like they jump the gun do you know what I mean and they're like oh we'd love to play in the NWSL I'm like you're not even at college yet you're yeah. a 14 year old kid you know what I mean like so it's it's like and the levels just keep getting higher the levels just keep getting higher so yeah talk to the coaches talk to people that have played in the program talk to talk 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 ask questions ask questions yeah. no question is a dumb question um because it's a i feel for these kids especially in the women's game like i mean they're getting recruited at 14 years old you're making 15 years old like you're making a decision on something you're going to be going to for four years that's still three or four years away like i mean holy smokes i don't even know what i wanted to do at like 19 20 <laughs> like let alone at 14, 15, and, you know, I'm going to be away from my family potentially, or do I want to stay at home, or do I want to be in a big school, small school, do I want to be in the city, do I want to be in the middle of nowhere, like, that's a, that's a lot, that is a lot, and, and you know, that's a lot of stress for parents, that's a lot of stress for, um, for, 
for the kids that's you know and that's without even talking about scholarships <laughs> like that's yeah. just talking about where you want to be as far as where you see yourself living Absolutely. so ask questions like ask questions ask questions i think you bring up a really good point that a lot of even myself, I never really said, you know what, when I, the school I go to, I want to choose a, a specific goalkeeper coach. I never even mm -hmm. thought of that. So that's, that's a great point that you make. I think uh, it's the, now, I think with the gener uh, generation now of more social media and yeah. goalkeeping becoming more popular, I don't know if you know this, but on social media, uh, goalkeeping, if you post on like Bleacher Report or something like that about goalkeepers, it mm -hmm. probably does two or three times better than the field player stuff. Wow. Because the, sat the field player stuff is saturated and the goalkeeping market is very niche. Sure. So sure. that's why like, I found success and like, I'm sure... You I want you to post more, but if you don't, <laughs> uh, you guys... I'll try to squeeze in some time. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good... Omar was trying to teach me social media, and uh, I, I honestly, if, if you can get half of his knowledge into you, <laughs> you will be the most famous goalkeeper coach in the world. It's like, hashtag this, hashtag, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. There are, there so, are algorithms, yeah. but it's... it's yeah. um, but it's, you know, it's refreshing to hear that because I know as well a lot of goalkeeper, a lot of young goalkeepers that ask me like, where should I go? Where should I go? And I've had kids tell me, well, we'll go not the college route, but more high school route. Let's mm -hmm. say, uh, you know, hey, my friends think it's cool for me to be on varsity. I want to look cool in front of them, but I'm yeah. not going to play on varsity. Should I stay on JV? So come back to your point of of just kind of dropping the ego and understanding your role and what you what you really want to get out of it, and the fact that you even brought up asking who your goalkeeper coach is, seeing one of their sessions. I guarantee you, Lloyd, no one has ever I mean probably like five percent of people will actually say hey what's your goalkeeper coach situation yeah. like it's all about the name on the on the jersey what, yeah. what kind of apparel they can wear around and it's unfortunate but that's that's the that's the American I feel like the American yeah. dream that people have been sold so and 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 I'm gonna flip it and I'm gonna and you know I spoke a lot about people aiming high and um, like and then them dropping down the pecking order. Like, let, let's flip it. Let's. Oh, say we're not going to crash dreams anymore. Let's we're going to rise people up now. So let, let's like a phoenix. Let's <laughs> let's say you are a, a top top level heavily recruited goalkeeper, like, and you, you know, you're in youth national teams. You're this. You're that. Like, you 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 know, you're already you, you've already got options, right? So from there, like, you've then got to go. All right, which goalkeepers have gone through that program? Where have they ended up? Did they get better from A to B? Because, like, in my opinion, there's certain programs that don't do a great job of doing that. So if you are the next Hope Solo, you are the next Alyssa Nea, you are the next Lydia Williams, like, like you gotta look, you got to look at that. you got to look at that stuff because you don't want to go and be a, a super highly touted, you know, she's the next this, she's the next that, and then you waste four years not getting better. So there's two ends of the spectrum, right? Like, now that is like the one percent right there. That's that's the kid that's you know UCLA wants some, Stanford wants some, like UVA wants some, uh, and you know all the big schools want them. Like, so I think that's something that you really have to consider if you're that if you're that kid. Yeah, yeah, and I I'd like to say that all that that point zero one percent of the kids out there are the ones that listen to our goalkeeping podcast. So please take that into consideration. All of you national team. No, actually, we do have some national team goalkeepers that do uh, listen to our podcast. Okay, cool. And their parents, here's the reason why I think they're youth national team goalkeepers. And I'm not going to put them on blast and mention their names because, you know, I know that gets weird and stuff like that. But the parents are so supportive, but they're also very hands-off. Yeah, And they yeah. let the coaches do their job. And they let the kids pursue what they want to do. And for anyone listening out there who really wants to pursue anything at the highest of levels... You need to find something that you're passionate about. Sure. And you put the time and discipline into it. Don't try to live somebody else's dream. And and whenever I find a parent that's too obtrusive or for the, the holocopter parent type of situation, 
those are the kids that I find end up leaving the game earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I, I like I like the kid that's got a chip on their shoulder. Like I want the kid that it, like wants to prove themselves, that wants to train hard, that understands that their role is going to be X, Y, Z. Like not everyone's going to be a starter, but you can work your butt off and become a starter. You can work your butt off and prove your worth, whether that's pro, college, high school. You know, you might be a B team goalkeeper. You want to be an A team goalkeeper. Like if you're improving, like and others aren't if you're doing stuff that other people aren't doing whether it's just what like just watch the game like but don't watch the game watch the goalkeeper watch their decisions watch um like when a scenario is developing like okay uh so is dribbling down the line they're about to cross it where is the goalkeeper in that in that place like because there's game film that i watch and for me there are still goalkeepers that are six yards out of position four yards out of position that are good goalkeepers now uh, like that's my opinion on that scenario right so so it's it's you know it, it the what we do is all about opinions right? yeah of course, so, absolutely so i i might say yeah i want you to to head this ball in this situation well coach why don't i catch it but like that's the great thing about what we do like so lloyd a lot of times when we're watching the game uh a lot of the goalkeepers out there, they just watch it as fans, mm-hmm. and they're following the movement of the ball. Yeah, and they're not really lo- looking at what the the goalkeeper's doing. So, what is your advice? What should the goalkeeper be watching when they're watching the game from an, an educational standpoint, rather than just from a fan's perspective? Sure. I mean, I think um, sometimes it's difficult with the camera angle, right? Like you, like, where's the goalkeeper? <laughs> like, you're like, come on, come on, TV, like, zoom out, zoom out. I want to see where where he or she is. Um, but like, I think it's you want to put, like, the goalkeeper starting position is, like, huge for me. And and we'll do a lot of game film on, you know, they're about to cross it. Why are you that close to your goalpost? You know, they're 60 yards away from goal. Like, why are you that deep? You could be higher. I think it's little things like that. You want to put yourself in a position where you can deal with three or four different scenarios. Like, take take a cross, for instance. If And, th- and again, this is my opinion on this scenario this is the black and white answer that is a lot more complex <laughs> so for me if a ball is between the the side of the 18 and the sideline i want my goalkeeper as central as they are comfortable being now because then if it's under hit they can attack the near post if it's over hit they give themselves less work to do if it's a central cross then they're in the great position to deal with it i see a lot of goalkeepers that are by their near post if you'd buy your near post yeah you've done a great job protecting that area but the deeper ball you're now giving yourself i mean goals what eight yards wide like you're now giving yourself eight yards of work you're to blindsided get you can't see anything on the other side right as well. you're running right. traffic yeah and then your body shape is committed to to that one scenario four yards deeper three or four scenarios that you can now deal with or on a touch remove like remove remove like if the pass goes backwards you can get higher if it comes here you might come a little closer to your near post so there's like black and white answers with a lot of well it's now an inswinger it's now an outswinger um it's the same for through balls like especially in the women's game like there's a select few players that can smash a ball from the halfway line and beat you on the lob so if there's only a select few players like why be on the penalty spot when they're on the halfway line like you can have a more aggressive starting position and an aggressive body language um, in order to deal with an overhit through ball. Maybe you come out of your feet. Um, you, 
you know, you can move negatively as the ball comes forward, but now you're in a more aggressive position to deal with a, with a through pass with your hands. So, like, that is the sort of things that when I'm watching a game on TV that I would, that I would like, try and pick up upon. And, and if there are, there are goalkeepers that are able to go to live games and sit behind the goal, um, and when I say live games, I don't always mean, like, an MLS or an NWSL team. I mean, go to, like, if you're a 12-year-old girl, go watch your high school varsity team play. Stand behind the goal and just, like, listen to how they communicate, listen to how they move, listen to, to, to those little nuances that nuance nuances what kind of a word is that those little nuances that like you don't necessarily will see if you if you're on if you're watching on tv so like there's so many ways that you can learn um and everyone learns differently but like for me like youth goalkeepers watch the starting positions and and uh, their bo- their body shape where are their hips facing wh- wh- are their feet uh, parallel are they are they like like a sprint stance like depend on the situation just to open up doors for for in, for scenarios that they could come across. Well, Lloyd, I think this has all been valuable information that you've been giving today. Um, I just want to say at the end right now that Lisa Lubke, we got Lloyd Yaxley on the podcast, <laughs> so I did my job. Uh, <laughs> Lloyd, uh, I know you got a session to get to. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time yeah, on Inside anytime, the guys. Man. Like, I, it's been great. Uh, the convention's great. You guys, you guys do an amazing job. Oh, of, thank you. Of getting information out there to other goalkeepers i know phil was on the show last night and phil's a a mentor of mine and it's great to share ideas and and bounce ideas off each other and like if if anyone has any questions about anything um probably anything goalkeeping related because all the other things in the world i'm pretty useless at (laughs) um but goalkeeping i seem to do okay with (laughs) so if anyone has any questions like please reach out like i'm here to help like there's no ego with me at all like um like i want to i want to help people i want to get i want to i want to see like good goalkeepers and good people uh like doing well absolutely no i think uh along with phil and a few other people that we've ha- people that we had on here this is probably one of the best episodes if you guys were watching this listening to this i haven't spoken very much because i'm literally <laughs> sitting here and everything everything you're saying i'm just like taking it in because it's as I, when I hear this stuff, it just like allows me to start, you know, be, be, be more free, uh, free flowing with my thoughts. Yeah. And you're not just helping other kids; you're helping me as well. Because this is like, I enjoy. Mike told me about the convention, and I didn't really know too much about it. Sure. But now sure. it's understanding that there's so many brilliant minds in, in the goalkeeping everywhere. But specifically for me, goalkeeping, yeah. goalkeeping minds that, like, I thought I knew a lot, but really it's so minuscule and it's ever it's ever evolving, and it's so cool that, yeah, to have you on here. So thank I, you so much. And I think like. I just came here for the free food in the media room. So. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I think this is what's great about the convention and, and being in these environments and getting around other coaches. Like, if you have a growth mindset, you're, you're going you're gonna to be successful. If you put yourself around good people, you're going to be successful. Like, if, if you keep tweaking things and, and you keep looking to develop yourself, you're going to be successful. Like, is it going to come straight away? No. Are you going to have to be patient? Yes. Are you going to have to do things that others aren't willing to do? Hell yeah. Like, that's how I got my interviews, like, uh, my interviews, my opportunities, like, myself and Mark Parsons. Who's oh, now that's right. But Lloyd Yaxley's got another podcast going on. <laughs> over, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm recruiting. Be, yeah. So, like, myself and Mark Parsons, like, who's now the Portland Fawns head coach, like, before the league was in, we were volunteering in the middle of D.C. We would go out there and train at, like, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night because that's the only time that they could get a field to train the girls on. It was in the W League. Like, do your time get around good people get around good coaches never stop getting better 
and that goes for goalkeepers as well. Get around good people. Ask questions. Like no question is a dumb question. Like, um, and like don't be don't be don't be shy and don't be afraid to like introduce yourself to people. So like where, put where, where's the best out there. place for people to reach out to you if there's a if there's a kid out there uh, who wants advice or there's a coach out there who wants advice? Where's the best place for them? I, to reach I mean, you? social media is really easy, right? You just sling in someone's name. I mean, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like. You know, if anyone wants to reach out and thinks that I can help them in any way, coach, player, parent, like, um, I'm really open to that. Like, I, I um, take a lot of pride in, like, trying to help people out. Like, because people help me out. Like, people help me out lots. And and I, I, I think um, I want to give back as well. You know, I don't want to just be, oh, he's this guy working with these people. Like, I want to be someone that is really open. Like, if, if people are in Orlando, like, at Disney... And they want to come watch an Orlando Pride training session. Like, hit me up. Like, I want to. Sh- I want to share. Like, I don't want to be that person that's like, no, this is me. This is my session. Um, like, I want to share. Like, I want to get people better. So, please, if anyone's in Orlando and they're and Mickey Mouse is driving them nuts and they want to they want to come watch me smash some balls at the Orlando Pride goalkeepers, like, please hit me up. Like, I I am really open with with um, with allowing people to come and see my sessions. Well, I'm, cl- I'm planning to go to Orlando this summer, uh, hopefully with the tour and uh, around the all-star time after the Women's World Cup. So I might take you up on that offer. Yeah, yeah come on down. I, I definitely got to come down there. We'll go see the big rat, <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Uh, Lloyd, thanks for taking the time. Uh, awesome. You can reach me at LA Goalkeeping Academy, at Michael Magid, Omar Zini, at Pro GK Academy. Uh, we got to save our voice for the rest of the time here, guys. We're out. Later. <laughs> that was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> it was very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Trev, did you enjoy that interview? I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. I thought it was incredible. You know, when I actually do go listen to it, since I haven't heard it, I'll tell you how I really feel. But I'm sure it was awesome. Thanks for putting that on the air, Trev. I appreciate that. I'll I'm an honest that. and transparent person. Someone's got to keep you two in check. You know who's also honest and transparent? Um, college coaches, right? Very, very transparent, very honest, aren't they? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in any way whatsoever. Uh, And because of that, obviously, the recruiting process is very difficult for kids out there. And uh, we want to help as ways that we want, you know, that we can. And so uh, we actually have our first sponsor for Inside the 18 to be played on the air. So um, we are very happy that we've got uh, Double Take Video, who uh, heard what we were talking about in regards to at convention, in regards to working with the kids. And he said, you know what? My name is Connor. I used to be a goalkeeper. I played Division One, and I'd like to help your kids. So uh, Double Take Videos does uh, recruiting videos for different kids out there, for all different sports, not just soccer, not just goalkeeping. Volleyball, basketball, Volleyball. rugby, football. All of them. And obviously, it's a really challenging task. So what they do, basically, is they try to make it simple. Okay, You give them your footage, and a lot of times you see your footage, and you can't tell who the goalkeeper is, right? It's like this little dot on the screen. So they have this technology where they basically can enhance where you are, uh, showing where the ball's trailing from, all sorts of cool stuff. Kind of like, remember in the NHL when they tried to do that blue streak on the hockey puck back in the 90s? Trevor remembers that. Yeah, yeah, that was solid. Um, now, obviously, most uh, competitive you know, people who are doing this type of stuff, they're charging like $1,000, $3,000, but double take... Is actually really, really simple. It's only 200, like 300 bucks. So it's crazy more cheap. He does a great job. Like I said, used to be a goalkeeper at USD, played through the Quake system. Um, and 
if you're an Inside the 18 member, we've got a promo code for you. Okay. Mike, tell them that promo code. What is that promo code? That promo code is INSIDE18. Yes, I know. It's very, very difficult to figure out. So, um, guys, we're going to post everything on the social media so you can check it out. But it's uh, doubletakevideo.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all the kids that we uh, have listened to the podcast uh, go and play D1 after this, right? Go, go check out their website. Go give it a view. Uh, drop a line. Let them know you heard it from us. But uh, thank you to Double Take for uh, for joining us because that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, there's a lot of young guys going on right now in the game, and so uh, I want to move on into the weekend goalkeeping and break down some of those great players. So first off, let's talk about um, Schalke versus Wolfsburg. Okay, I don't know if anybody watched the Bundesliga this past weekend. I had a blast watching it. <laughs> we know Trevor didn't. Trevor's like, I think there was a Spurs U17 game going on. So I was watching that instead. <laughs> Just so you know, I do love my Spurs. Let's, let's not pretend. And yes, I will watch as much Academy stuff and anything I can from. With that being said, I am big into watching championship right now. Really? I can't tell you how much I enjoy watching championship, Leeds, Norwich. I find it is so entertaining because it's, let's be honest, not as skillful as the prem but everyone's trying to get there and it's just way more intense it's way more free flow it's way more kind of erratic football i love it it's like i'm i've i've got an idea now for a new segment on the show okay i think we should have a weekly trevor updates on the championship i'm telling you it is good <laughs> top goalkeepers to watch no but this is it you see so many like scott carson is starting at darby county we all remember scott carson how he was in the prem and then all of a sudden he was in for england and he had a falling out then he had to go to turkey because no one would take him in england and now he's back playing championship you have the young kid at leeds but then there's talk about someone coming down from leeds right you have tim cruel at norway wait, wait tim cruel's playing in the championship yo bro that's what i'm saying you have all these keepers who've been in and out of prem it's, it's actually really I mean, look at me. I really enjoy it. <laughs> no, I can tell. Okay, so homework assignment for you, Trev, which you're not going to accomplish. Next week, top three goalkeepers in the championship that have a premiership future next year. I was going to completely ignore you, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> so let's talk about youngsters. Let's talk about the Schalke youngster, Alexander Nubel, uh, 22 years old, who got the start for Schalke uh, last uh, weekend against Wolfsburg. Had a phenomenal game, don't you think, Omar? I think so, yeah. When I watched the highlights, I was uh, I mean, I didn't know his age or anything like that, so I just watched him, and he's, he's, a, he's a physical presence, first off. And I think what he did really well in, in some of the saves he had was he, he stayed up on his feet as long as he possibly could and uh, used his instincts and then reactions to make the save. So I think from watching that, I think he has a lot of the foundation that uh, a solid goalkeeper in the long run will have. And I think that's one reason why we see Buffon doing so well now is because his technique is is so rooted in the foundation of, of just being so... I'm not even. I don't know where my where my mind is going now, but uh, but no, I think he's got a good future, so I'm excited to see what he what he has to offer. You know what I like about it, Mike? Since I didn't watch it, I like the fact though that he's 22, got thrown into the deep end and excelled. I love, I love seeing a kid. Think about it. Think about how did Casillas get his start, right? Uh, was it Carnazares who went down injured in 21, maybe? 22. He was 19, I think. Yeah, he was 19 in the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. got tossed in and made some great saves, like. Because you never know what's going to happen from this keeper. You never know if, if this is their time, right? Think of how, how Neuer got to start, right? There was an injury, right? A gentleman, unfortunately, took his own life. And the next thing you know, Neuer's sitting there in, in the driver's seat and held on it for a long time. Like, you never know if this is that bright future kid 
that this is where their start came from. That they're all of a sudden one day, the number one went down, number two is kind of here, and they get tossed in to play and they do well. I think that's just absolutely brilliant. I, I love when those things happen because as a keeper, it's everyone knows you never want to see another keeper get injured. You never want to see another keeper get sick or whatever. But you, you're sitting there waiting for that because you're waiting for your time. You're an apprentice waiting in the wings. And when your time comes, sometimes you just you got to grab it. And I love when something like that happens. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Because first off, you know, um, Ralph Farman, you know, is the veteran over at Schalke. He's, he's obviously had a long, distinguished career in Germany. He was a German international for a bit. Um, and now they made this move. Obviously, Schalke has been struggling a little bit this year in in the league. Uh, they're out They're out of the relegation zone. They're doing better now. But what I really liked about this kid was his poise and how he his timing was very good. Um, because some of those headers that came in were coming in with some pace. Yeah. He held high, and, and he was able to parry those balls away. And what about that one where he had to come from behind and kind of pull the ball out from behind? That was pretty big time. That was huge, yeah. I thought, yeah, like Trevor said. Yeah, go ahead. Here's my thing with Omar's comment. And like I said, not seeing it because we all know our, our craft, to be honest, so well. Omar's right, and this goes up for so many kids. And I, when I saw the Phil Wedden clip that you picked of his three things, mm-hmm. and one of that is so it can't be underrated. Be like, we all like using fun tools, except for Mike in goalkeeper coaching. Uh, shout out to Big Joe. Minimalist. I'm a minimalist. I, I love I'll show up at a field sometimes, and the parents will go like, that's it? I'm like, yeah. They're like, why? I'm like, I drive a Honda Civic. What do you want from me? Mike's got three <laughs> cones and two balls uh, and a skipping rope. Well, I'm still waiting for those Aviata balls to go. That makes two of us. Um, <laughs> But it's the basics, the fundamental. And Omar had it right with, with Buffon. Why is he able to play as he's playing for so long in such a distinguished career and still playing so well? It's because at the start, he worked on basics and fundamentals because at the end of the day, like in a game, when you're tired, it's the 88th minute, there's stuff going on, and there's that last-minute save to be made, you have to rely on those basics. You have to rely on those fundamentals. When those get so ingrained, it allows you to do the other things. If you don't have those simple basic fundamentals, you're, you're going to struggle. And I think you see that now with keepers. It's kind of went for a while of these crazy big saves and all over shop. And now you see coaches getting back to, we need to have a really strong base to build from. And I think that's just a huge thing. And I think Omar said it so right of just when you see keepers coming up and you can tell and Omar, you know, you're so good at that breakdown and, anal- you know, being anal- analytical and analyzing players now and keepers is that you can see who really has a strong basic fundamentals and, and who doesn't. I still think one of these days when we actually start, you know, prospering uh, with our podcast a little more that we take a trip over to Portugal and we see where, you know, Ederson came from and Oblak came from and oh, so yeah, many keepers yeah. came from because oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's such a cool system to run over there to, to have these keepers where you see those guys. I mean, I still think Jan Oblak for me is my favorite keeper in the world right now. Well, let, let, let's get into that in, in regards to development. By the way, for the audience out there, we are going to be traveling. We got some cool things planned for the, for the spring and the summer. We got some places we're going to be going. We might even be going somewhere at the end of February. So we'll let you know about that and uh, maybe involved with some professionals. So, but... Speaking of development, I want to talk about Schalke because Schalke has a history of developing great goalkeepers. And for whatever reason, they're one of the clubs that seems to be willing to play young goalkeepers. Why is that, Trev? I don't know. I don't work for them. But I can only assume that (laughs) through their precedent set and the history they've come through, it's worked for the system. I mean, you look at, you know, who might go down as one of the greatest of all time, Manuel Neuer. That's where he came from. And he got his start quite early as well. Um I think when you're a club and I think you have that history of putting young keepers in and it, you know, panning out well for you long-term, I think you're able to take that risk where you see some clubs and you look back, they always have an older veteran keeper, right? I mean, I think it's just club mentality, the culture of the footy there. Um, and I think shock has realized that, you know, a 22 year old, if, if it's the right person, 
can do extremely well. And I think too, I think sometimes you need to change it up. It's not the keeper's fault. The keeper can be playing well, but the club's just not doing great. Throw a little mix in and you never know what happens. So let's talk about that one. Sometimes when the club is not playing well, because the U S women played this past weekend, they got their first major test overseas uh, in 2019. And that was against France and a friendly to get ready for the world cup. And uh, it was not a great performance by the U S and a lot of people were very critical of Alyssa Nyer in that game. So I want to talk a little bit about that because we did have Lloyd Yaxley on earlier, who obviously works with Ashlyn Harris, who is a women's national team goalkeeper out of Orlando pride. And uh, I know Omar had some feelings in regards to this game. Uh, Not as strong as Lisa Lubke. Uh, Lisa Lubke was, uh, had her feelings in regards to some positioning and angle play, but uh, what do we think of this game so far from Alyssa Nyer? Yeah, yeah, no, the first half, I thought she played pretty well. I had no issues with her performance. I mean, the first goal, uh, or her performance in the first half. The first goal, uh, the defender took it easy and took a foot off the gas, and then the uh, the right forward or right right midfielder took the ball away from her, crossed it in, and they shot it from about six yards out. So I can't really fault her for that one. Uh, in that first half, she had a few you know a few nice saves, good positioning. I didn't uh, uh, I didn't I didn't see any alarming things. And then the second half. And then that's when things kind of started falling apart. And uh, I think it was the second goal that France scored. If you look at her positioning, the forward scored from the edge of the 18 on the corner of the 18 on the right side. And the way she was set up was completely square to the ball. And that's something that we teach our younger goalkeepers as well. Is like, don't be so square that you have no mobility going backwards. So unfortunately, she was so square to the ball that when that shot was hit, she didn't have enough time to move her body and then, you know, move to that far post. So I think if she would have been in a more staggered position, uh, she probably would have had a little bit more um, mobility going to that far post to use a top hand save. And then obviously that that third goal, they hit a through ball and she, as we teach our young kids as well, is like don't get caught in no man's land. And she came out, stopped, and then she was again in no in no man's land at that point. And then the forward just easily had a had so much pace behind her, touch take, took a touch around her and passed it into the goal. So I think we were talking about it earlier about the uh, Schalke goalkeeper. It's just the fundamentals. And unfortunately, I think she was exposed on two things that we teach kids from a young age. And it's not, you know, trying to bash her or anything like that. But I think that was my takeaway is that I think if she fixes just those little things in terms of her positioning or just awareness of where the ball is, I think she'll be a lot better off. And I think she's going to be the number one, Mike. So I think if she can get into the film room and see those mistakes. I'm happy that it happened now so that at the World Cup we don't get exposed. Like we saw with uh, Hugo Lloris before the World Cup the, against the U.S. He had, it's funny that's France versus U.S. again, but he had that goal that got scored to him at the near post and everyone was talking about he's probably going to be the weak link for France in the World Cup. And then, you know, he fixed everything and you saw him in the World Cup. He was superb. So I'm really hoping that uh, Nair, like Alyssa Nair, right? Yeah, yeah I, hope, I hope that she can learn from this and kind of watch the film so that we don't get those same kind of uh, positional awareness or just kind of getting caught in no man's land that those kind of things don't get us exposed in the world cup so we'll see what happens but like i said i think if if anything it's a good good that it happened now i want to bring up something real quick in case any kids out there are listening right now in regards to the two square because i don't want any confusion there what omar means in regards to two square is he means his lower extremities her low extremities excuse me um two square not her shoulders, okay? Because her sh- your shoulders should be square with the ball line, but your 
lower body can be in a staggered stance. That way you've got the mobility with your lower body to do the drop to dr- come across for the back post. Yeah, like I, I mean, I've done I've done breakdowns on this before, and I think uh, what what ends up happening is that when the ball is far enough away that it can be served over your head, you got to be in a staggered stance. You can't be too square. That's why, like, let's say for example, the ball is getting hit from a corner. You want to be slightly open up for your shoulder so you can see the far post as well. You're not blindsided. But the closer they come in, the more square you can you can set up towards the ball because there's less of a chance that ball goes over your head and you turn it into more of a shot. So. I have to. I probably have to do a visual breakdown, but that's kind of where I'm where I'm going. Well, with this Omar, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't see the highlights, but I know you love your Kaylor Navas. Do you remember the save he made in Champions League? We discussed it podcast. I don't know number nine, where he saw it was going to go be a bender because it could only be a bender, and he dropped off closer to his line. He got square from from what you're sounding like this. It sounds like it's one of the ones where she could have seen it was a ball that was going to be like that, and she could have dropped, angled off and covered that ball. Is it something like that or my 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 miss? Uh, no, it was it was more of a they played a ball through and she was on the corner of the 18 and all she I mean all you're really going to do from there is no one if you see inside the box there's not many runners or anything like that so you're probably just going to prepare for a shot or prepare for that she only has one option there. And unfortunately she okay, so it, was, it wasn't a bender over top. Uh no, it was it was. I'd have to you probably have to see the the footage but I'll have a look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The way the way it happened was, you know, there's only one option, and usually, you know, as we know, for example, if someone's getting closed off on the angle, you know, probably inside the 18, most likely, there's the name of the podcast there. But if they uh, if they hit, they're probably going to hit it far post, right? They're probably going to drive it far post. Um, so it's just kind of understanding the what the forward has in terms of options and just kind of preparing for those options. So. By the way, Trevor, I like your uh, Canadian bias and the fact you're like, well, I didn't watch the U.S. <laughs> no, game. it's not even – I just – you know what? To be honest, if, if, I, 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 if I had time, I probably would have. Um, I know. You, I know. You've got a kid come, you're on the way, and you have a kid, so it's very difficult. Um, you know who else is trying to live life? Timmy Howard. He's trying to move on with his life, and he's announced that this will be his final professional season in 2019. He's hanging up the gloves after this season. Um, how do you all feel about goalkeepers or players in general making an announcement prior to the season? Do you think that's a detriment to the team? Do you think that's a benefit to the team? What type of a morale is that in the locker room? Um, is that self-serving? So my first for me, like I, so I knew it was coming for a while, right? So I mean, this is nothing where I was shocked by it. It was the end of his contract with Colorado, his, his you know, getting a little older. Um, and I think you can see it coming. I, at first, I was kind of like, yeah, it is a bit, you know, but, but at the same time, I think it's great. I think it's an announcement. I think for him, it's like, look, this is my last year. Because, you know, you get critics sometimes for saying, like, oh, you're not playing well. When's it going to be hung up? When are you hanging it up? Crap like that. And I think the guys had such a distinguished career on the field and off the field. Um, you know, shout out to Tim, who had a little quick chat on the Instagram the other day, so it was lovely. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's, it's great for guys to know this is his last year. I think it's great for guys in Colorado to be there, uh, to be a part of this. So I think it's a, an epic journey. I think he's, you know, the U.S.'s most greatest all-time player, in my opinion, yeah. um, whether field or goal or anything. And I think this is a really cool thing. For me, like, I mean, 18 keeper shout-out Andre Rawls is at Colorado now. And I think it's a really special thing for him to be there for Tim's last year to, to soak up and learn and, and take in as much as he can from Tim because Tim has so much to, to teach and talk and just be a part of and just how he handles himself as a professional, you know, like I said, on and off the field. I think it's cool. And I, and I think it's cool to announce it. I think it's cool for people to realize that this is his, his last year at what has been nothing shy of a unbelievable career. And I, and I, think, it's, uh, I think it's all right. Like I said, at first I wasn't too sure, but then when you break it down, 
I think it's the, a really cool, good decision, and I wish him all the best, and I hope he has the most outstanding year and finishes um, with a year that he can be really proud of. No, I agree. I think he's been, if you guys have seen, a lot of these players are making the transition now to, to broadcasting, and he was on Bleacher Report's coverage of the Champions League. So I think he's going to, he'll be fine once he retires. He'll have options. I mean, you have that distinguished of a career in the United States. You're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, make a career afterwards as well. You see with like Tony Romo now, and obviously randomly Steve Nash is, is getting into soccer and soccer broadcasting. So um, that's interesting. But no, I think, I think he's probably had one of the best careers in, in terms of just, American goalkeepers going overseas he had he gave me a reason to watch Everton games and I think that's you know that, that shouldn't go un, unnoticed and and also one little thing that I, I was talking to somebody recently about it and they were saying that if he hadn't dropped that free kick against Porto uh, do you guys think that uh, Mourinho would still be who he is today oh, oh that's an gosh. interesting comment Wow! Right, because that that wow. propelled him to the next round, and then from there he won the Champions League. And uh, what my coaches at Castellet were saying is that he would have just been another Portuguese coach with you know some you know some revolutionary uh, methodology. But yeah, yeah, I think that that was. I'm probably going to post about it today, but it was pretty funny to think about that. Well, let me ask you a question: If Edwin Vandesar hadn't been signed by by Man U, would Tim Howard have stayed at Man U, and would he have become who he is today? You know what? That's even that's an even better follow-up question. Yeah, I think I'll probably put like a string of posts and what ifs for for Instagram today. But yeah, no, I think that's it. Just fun. it just shows you like the fine margins of people's careers and what you know in the goalkeeping position, how things can change in one play. And finally, before we finish up today, uh, let's talk about the friendlies this weekend. Uh, the United States has two games coming up against Panama and Costa Rica. Tyler Miller and Alex Bono were both sent home. The two keepers are Zach Steffen, Sean Johnson. How do we see this playing out? I mean, the Zach Steffen one is obvious. I, I think they're always going to make sure that he is in the mix till the end just because, you know, they really have put him as the guy to be. Um, you know, with the three domestic guys, and so for people listening, domestic obviously is in regards of, you know, playing in the MLS, which um, it's funny because remember back in the day you had really an international like an A national team. Then you had a B, which was, let's say Nick Ramondo was kind of like number three for the U.S., but was always number one for the domestic. They kind of have to do that as much anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, let's, let's say it's the three domestics. Um, we've talked about this. Remember I told you last time when Sean Johnson was going into his run? I think Sean's been all over the shop at times, but I think he's really shown in the last little while he's done well. Um, obviously, he showed well at national camp to, to be taken in uh, to back up for, uh, for Zach, or I'm assuming he's going to back up for Zach. Like I said before, great to see Tyler Miller in there. Um, you know, Alex Bono, to be honest, uh, great goalkeeper. has done really well. But I think he was the, maybe the, the pivot or the hinge where you could have changed him in and out. I think Tyler Miller fully deserved to be there. Uh, I think Bono could have been, uh, or Alex Bono, whatever it is, uh, could have been, you know, a different keeper. I think they could have probably, you know, inserted three or four different keepers to have a look at. Uh, I know Bill Hamid is chewing at the bits to get back into the program. Well, well, I was going to say, Bill Hamid's comments. How do you feel about Bill Hamid's comments? I'll say this. He wasn't hiding what he felt. you no, got to give no. the guy credit. And he wasn't rude. No. no. Um, people will say he might have been a little cocky or a little arrogant. But as a goalkeeper, if you don't believe in yourself, well, no one ever is going to believe you. This goes for lots of kids listening out there. But was it a slap in the face to goalkeeper coaches in the MLS because of his comments and saying, oh, I've been in England here and I've been learning all these things that nobody had ever shown me before. I'm like, dude, the guy's been a pro for 10 years. I mean, I, I think, I think once again, I think everyone's personality is different. Yeah. You're yeah. going to get guys who are a little more humble, guys who are a little more over the top, guys who hold their mouth a little more, and guys who I, I think the statement he was saying is that you know, he was really putting out there because from what it 
account of it, I bet you he was really pissed that he didn't get taken in. Um, and he was being honest. So, I mean, was it over the top a little bit? Maybe. Do I fault him for it? No. Do I think he probably could have been in the mix? I think absolutely. Um, but interesting to see Sean Johnson get taken in. Because, like, you know, we've talked before about Sean. He's kind of, you know, makes unreal saves. And then, you know, Omar will discuss this and he lets in a howler. I can see the one that going through his hands from, like, 40 yards out in MLS last. Like, it's just yeah. – it's interesting. And he's one of those I, guys, though. If- Sean's going to get – I have a feeling Sean's going to get the game Sunday and um, Zach's going to get the game the following week against Costa Rica. Um, and I'd like to see – I hope he gets a full game. I hope they don't do these Zach stuff in both games, Sean on the bench. I hope he gets tossed into the mix for a game because I think he deserves to show what, uh, what he can do in 90 minutes. Yeah, well, I think, I think Berhalter's seen a lot of Zach. I think he knows what he's getting with Zach. I think it's just a matter of making sure that he gets reps right now before he gets ready for Columbus and then and really gets ready for his you know time at Man City. So um, anyway, I just got the wrap-up sign from Omar, which means that he needs to get to Cal State LA. Uh, so guys, uh, thanks for dealing with our technical problems today. Uh, we'll get the live streaming going next week, the live video going. Uh, I won't be hearing an echo in my ear because it's been very difficult to honestly like to to handle the guidance of this episode when I'm hearing myself 17 times. It's very difficult. Uh, so uh, doubletakerecruit.com, by the way. I, I got that wrong. Doubletakerecruit.com. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, we'll post on the social media. Uh, you can catch me. Uh, wait, hold on. We just got the Inside the 18 stuff, so let's just do that now. Um, right now, it's at LA Goalkeeping Academy for Inside the 18 stuff on all social media platforms. Obviously, at ProGK underscore on Instagram. Trevor Styles at Aviata Sports. He checks it every seven times. Oh, and the email address, which I never gave away at the beginning, Inside the 18 Goalkeeper at gmail.com. I'll say that one more time because I totally messed that up. Inside the 18 goalkeeper at gmail.com. That's so hard to do when you can hear yourself seven times. All right, guys, that's it all the time. We're out. Later. <laughs>